Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and we are diving in today on a study of tradition number 11. And this podcast here has a challenge here in tradition number 11. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But what I want you to do is get on that tractor beam of attraction that tradition 11 is all about with me. And let's talk about how we make AA seem like a great solution to a desperate, desperate person and why why individual promotion is not a great idea. So I, was, I just want to dive right on into Tradition 11. It's not a long read, but there's a little bit to talk about along the way. So let's do it. It says Tradition number 11, our public, mean our, yours and mine, members of AA, our, the people that work the 12 steps to get recovery, the people that show up in your local meeting, all of us, our, our public relations policy is based on attraction. We want this to be someplace people go, I need help. I'm going there. Attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films and podcasts. That's why I'm Dan Dan the Man here. And that's why I'm not giving out my real full name to maintain that anonymity. And part of doing a podcast is to make this attractive because it's at least somewhat interesting, we hope, and informative when you take a chance to listen to it. So this is an effort, the podcast here is an effort to carry the message forward in honor of the 11th tradition. Before we ever got started, the producer of this podcast and myself talked about this very issue and wanted to settle in our own hearts that indeed we are honoring this 11th tradition. And along the way, I've been challenged by people that have said, hey, what about that podcast, Dan Dan? You know, how's that protecting anonymity? Well, Dan Dan the healing man is a character. And the reason why we bring a character, I bring a moniker or a character to it, because we're going to kind of talk about the ideology, right? The, some of that six-step stuff, you know, the, the idealness of AA. And I'm a human being. I live the real life of AA, ups and downs and twists and turns, just like everybody else. There's no guru in this microphone. It is just Dan Dan doing his best to say what is on his mind about these traditions. I assure you, I am no fine representative of AA. And what we're trying to do, what we want to do, is make this program attractive by giving you a practical outlook and at least one set of information for you to think about these steps and these traditions and those first 164 pages of that fantastic basic text we call the big book. And let's just dive on in. You guys ready? Let's just do it. Tradition number 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Without its legions of well-wishers, AA could never have grown as it has. Throughout the world, immense and favorable publicity of every description has been the principal means of bringing alcoholics into our fellowship. In AA offices, clubs, and homes, telephones ring constantly. One voice says, I read a piece in the newspapers. Another, we heard a radio program. And still another, we saw a moving picture. Or, we saw something about AA on television. It is no exaggeration to say that half of AA's membership has been led to us through channels like these. The inquiring voices are not all alcoholics or their families. Doctors read medical papers about Alcoholics Anonymous and call for more information. Clergymen see articles in their church journals and also make inquiries. 
employers learn that great corporations have set their approval upon us and wish to discover what can be done about alcoholism in their own firms. Therefore, a great responsibility fell upon us to develop the best possible public relations policy for Alcoholics Anonymous. And through that great teacher and trial and error, they have come to this conclusion, the best possible public relations policy for AA. Here we go. Through many painful experiences, there's that trial and error again, right? We think we have arrived at what that policy ought to be, what we have a debt to. How do we honor and show respect? It is the opposite in many ways of usual promotional practice. That's for sure. We found that we had to rely upon the principle of attraction rather than promotion. Hmm. Hmm. Let's see how these two contrasting ideas, attraction and promotion, work out. A political party wishes to win an election, so it advertises the virtues of its leadership to draw votes. Doesn't this fall right back to ten in a way? And spouts off all kinds of opinions to divide those people up. A worthy charity wants to raise money. Forthwith, its letterhead shows the name of every distinguished person whose support can be obtained. Much of the political, economic, and religious life of this world is dependent upon publicized leadership. They put the pastor's name out front, or you got the campaign sign, say, you know, vote for Bob, or whatever the case might be, right? Publicized leadership. But we don't have any leaders. We don't have anybody to publicize that way. People who symbolize causes and ideas fill a deep human need. We have AA do not question that, but we do have a... But we do have to soberly face the fact that being in the public eye is hazardous, especially for us. By temperament, nearly every one of us has been an irrepressible promoter. And we're exposed to that idea with some of the folks in other traditions where they want to build AA hospitals. Not a promoter, but a super promoter, a super optimistic super promoter. And the prospect of a society composed almost entirely of promoters was frightening. Concerning this explosive factor, <laughs> these are no small words, right? He's like, holy moly, imagine this. Imagine all these AA guys with their big old egos getting out there going, man, it is all about me. Look how I do this thing. Now, you better do it like I do. I'm like the AA boss. You know, I'm as good as it gets. I am the symbol, the icon, the mascot of AA. Do it like I do or die. <laughs> and you see it? It would happen. It would almost surely happen. But we're going to talk a little bit about a 10-step skill here. It says, considering the explosive factor, we knew we had to exercise self-restraint. The way this restraint paid off was startling. It resulted in more favorable publicity of Alcoholics Anonymous than could possibly have been obtained through all the arts and abilities of AA's best press agents. Wow. Wow. We don't want you to talk about us as individuals because we're not successful that way. We're successful as a society. And the result was amazing. Obviously, AA had to be publicized somehow. So we resorted to the idea that it would be far better to let our friends do this for us. Let people talk good about us. They would give us a five-star rating on Amazon type of thing, right? And type a little review up. They'll do an, an unboxing video and say, oh, I got my big book today and I open it up and I, that chapter, it says more about alcoholism. I read it and sure as it could be, there I was in the pages of this book, right? <laughs> that kind of thing. Our friends, 
Hmm, that's interesting. Precisely that has happened to an unbelievable extent. Veteran newsmen, trained doubters that they are, have gone all out to carry AA's message. To them, we are something more than the source of good stories. On almost every news front, the men and women of the press have attached themselves to us as friends. Because there isn't any other solution, really. I mean, ultimately, all the solutions out there in recovery of any kind somehow fall back to the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous, which, of course, have their roots in even more ancient principles. Hmm. In the beginning, the press could not understand our refusal of all personal publicity. They were genuinely baffled by our insistence upon anonymity. Then they got the point. Here was something rare in the world, a society which said it wished to publicize its principles and its work, but not its individual members. The press was delighted with this attitude. Ever since, these friends have reported AA with an enthusiasm. And, you know, it's something greater than that. It's really with a strong excitement about the whole thing, right? They're like, oh my gosh, this thing works, which the most ardent or strong feelings with the most strong feeling members would find hard to match. One of us can't do it, but the result of all of us is a powerful, powerful message. One person staying sober, yeah, you know, that's great and all, but hearing about two and a half million worldwide staying sober, hearing about a big book published in so many language, languages to help people stay sober, now that is a powerful message. To hear that we do it with no governance or organization and we're self-supporting and all that really is almost mind-blowing in a way. There was actually a time when the press of America thought the anonymity of AA was better for us than some of our own members did. At one point, about 100 of our society were breaking anonymity at the public level. 100 guys out there just spouting off. With perfectly good intent, they mean well, right? These folks declared that the principle of anonymity was horse and buggy stuff something appropriate to AA's pioneering days. They were sure that AA could go faster and further if it availed itself, if it made itself useful to, if it availed itself of modern publicity methods. AA, they pointed out, included many persons of local, national, or international fame, and we wanted to leverage their fame, not a good thing, provided they were willing, and many were, after all, that's their job, right? That's their job. This sort of ties back to the ideas of the eighth and ninth tradition, doesn't it? That we were leveraging people's professional skills to promote AA, and those are just sort of the inverse, that we don't use our skills from AA to advocate a profession. We just use the professional skills as a counter or whatever to advocate our profession, but not our membership in AA. Hmm. Provided they were willing, and many were, why shouldn't their membership be publicized, thereby encouraging others to join us? How many of you love to say, oh, so-and-so's in recovery, right? So-and-so's in recovery. I heard, I heard that guy's in recovery. See that movie? He's in recovery. Stop doing that. You know, stop doing that. It's not right to do. And who are you to say? Who knows? Who knows? Why shouldn't their membership be publicized, thereby encouraging others to join us? These were plausible arguments. In other words, possibly true, plausible arguments, but happily our friends of the writing profession disagreed with them. The foundation wrote letters to practically every news outlet in North America, setting forth our public relations policy of attraction rather than promotion and emphasizing personal anonymity as AA's greatest protection. That's 12th tradition. We're not there yet. 
Since that time, editors and rewrite men, or, and rewrite men were people that took the reporter's writings and fixed it so that it would fit in the newspaper correctly. I don't know that we still have those today. We got like a word count machine and auto editor or whatever. Rewrite men have repeatedly deleted names and pictures of members from AA copy. Frequently, they have reminded ambitious individuals of AA's anonymity policy. In other words, the press would remind the AA member, hey, Captain Jack, I know you want it all out there, but, you know, maybe that's not the right thing. They have even sacrificed good stories to this end. The force of their cooperation has certainly helped. Only a few AA members are left who deliberately break anonymity at the public level. So they still do. And it's remembering that these are suggestions, right? Even though it's our public relations policy, it doesn't mean people aren't going to do it or that we can kick them out or somehow, you know, sanction them as a result of it. We can just remind them, make the suggestion to take a look again at that 11th tradition and weigh it against that. So let's take it home. This in brief is the process by which AA's Tradition 11 was constructed. To us, however, it represents far more than a sound public relations policy. It is more than a denial of self-seeking. This tradition is a constant and practical reminder that personal ambition has no place in AA. In it, each member becomes an active guardian of our fellowship. And some of the ways that aren't mentioned in there that I like to bring up is, this is how the 11th tradition applies to me personally. How do I make AA attractive, right? If I get out there with my opinion, if I get out there violating that 10th tradition, if I get out there as like some sort of ruler or governor of AA and, and chunking my name all over that ninth tradition, if I get out there and I got that eighth tradition out there and I'm like, I'm a professional AA guy, right? If I do these kind of things, I really make a very unattractive program. If I encourage new members to try to strive for position, what our sixth tradition calls money, property, and prestige, I definitely divert them from their primary purpose, which is to live a spiritual life. Their goal is to stay sober. There's no doubt in any of our minds that individuals like in sports leagues or in the movie business or wherever, when they voice their opinion on things, they make it less attractive. We've seen people boycott sports in recent decades as a result of an individual player's concept that, you know, he's expressing his opinion. It just doesn't have a place there. And I think if we can maintain that respect to our program, we ourselves are the benefactor of it, that that stuff doesn't get in. Personally speaking, I'll tell you this. To make it attractive, the best thing we can do is to get in here and follow the directions and have our life restored. And when we can tell the story a decade later about what trouble we had as an active, sick, spiritually defunct, alcoholic, people almost don't believe it. They almost don't believe it. It's so powerful. It's so powerful that it's attractive when they run into a family member or they themselves later on in life find that they fall. You hear this stuff all the time in AA meetings. How do you make this program attractive? The best way to do it, in my opinion, is that we work the steps just like they say to work them in our program, that we follow that big book, that program of recovery, and that we go to meetings and work to keep people on that solution when they talk. 
that we bring up in meetings as often as we can the solution at hand. People want to complain about different things all the time, or maybe a meeting goes awry and it just, de- just drops off and disintegrates into a whole bunch of opinions. Be the AA member that talks about his experience, strength, and hope, walking through the steps, learning these incredible tools of recovery, of living a life, of living a recovered life as a result of Alcoholics Anonymous. That I'd like to hear about myself. I'd love to hear your comments that way. How is it? How is it that you go through life making this attractive? How do all those other traditions sort of lead up to this one? And wow, we're going to dive into anonymity next. It's the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And what better foreshadowing than this right here? So what are you going to do today? What are you going to do today? Here's your discussion if you want it. What are you going to do today to help make AA attractive? What are you going, what are you willing to commit to? Willingness. What are you willing to agree with yourself to do today? This one day to make AA attractive. I hope you have a great discussion.